Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live, the show that will be teaching an AP Cliff Notes course on the achievement of Ron DeSantis. I'm Liz Winstead, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Moji Alabodeo. Hello. We're, we're talking about achievement singular, right? One single yes. achievement. <laughs> oh, singular, small. Yes. I'm not even sure what it is. Me neither, but it's just one, I'm sure. <laughs> Clearly. Hello, everyone. Coming up on today's show, we are joined by the director of Midwest Access Coalition, the person legally responsible for me, my boss, Diana Parker Kafka. Plus, comedian and filmmaker Kenise Mobley is here to talk us through the merits of baking our own bread. Oh, my goodness. That's yes. amazing. Super also, about that. I like that, that that our guest is legally responsible for you. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. I used to be legally responsible for her, but apparently I've been demoted. Yeah. I mean, you're busy doing things like parenting, <laughs> Moji, and living And you your got life. a new cat. It's that cat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm trying to keep that cat from eating all my plants. So far, I'm losing. I'm losing. You know, the poison plants and the plants and the cats. Are the, is the cat pooping in the plants yet? No, 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 no. He's not interested in that. He just thinks they're delicious. Most of my plants are pet safe. One is poisonous or toxic in large quantities, and that's his favorite. Of course, of course. it is. And and I feel like it's operative that our listeners know this is a male cat who's a ginger cat. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. None of my girl cats did this. No, this is a no. Self-destructive behavior. Suffering 22 below zero. Please go outside and poop. And (laughs) this morning I watched Mr. Funk go outside and then he peed and then he went to go lick his penis. And for a minute, I thought it was going to be like Ralphie in a Christmas story where <laughs> his mouth just froze Stop. on his penis. And I was like, no, please don't make me do something I don't want to do. But it all worked out. The blow dryer on the lowest setting. <laughs> Marie, what are uh, Genghis oh. and Shaka up to? Hey, my cats, they are, um, they're going to be 14 in a couple of months. And honestly, she's Shaka's driving me nuts, especially. Genghis is refined in middle age, old age. He's doing great. Shaka is climbing shelves. She's breaking things. She she has a penchant for turning on the oven. She's my little Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah. Little Sylvia Plath over here. So I don't I don't know, guys. Tips. Yeah. Tips for when your older cats are still very sentient and nimble. <laughs> send them in. <laughs> well, we'll send you a T-shirt. Advise us on pet policies. Yes. We'll send you an AAF T-shirt, guys. hundred <laughs> percent. promise. <laughs> I also think they just pick up on our energy. And right now the energy is such a mess that these pets are doing mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And to add to that toxic energy that's happening is the one and only Molly Gaby, who is going to be giving us an incredible look at the news, or as we like to call it, maybe a steaming news dump. Hi, Molly. Hi, friends. Happy to drop a steaming pile of this week's news on you. These lods are big old turds, so we're going to treat the news accordingly. First up, Iowa politicians file a bill to make it a felony to manufacture, prescribe, sell, or dispense medication abortion. No word from them yet if juggling, dancing, or paving your driveway with abortion pills is allowable. Next up, in the face of shrinking access around the country, the students of George Washington University successfully advocated to get emergency contraception in vending machines. Hopefully soon you'll be able to get Cool Ranch Plan B and flaming Hot condoms. Maybe not the last one. That sounds bad. 
Next up, anti-abortion goons have started to protest outside of pharmacies that will carry the abortion pill. You know, if they think this is going to deter me from getting medication abortion, they are sorely mistaken. I already wait 20 minutes for a CVS employee to unlock the display case to get me deodorant. I'll wait. All the trigger warnings for this next one, okay? Tennessee just added an exception for rape and incest to their abortion ban. What else did they add? A minimum three-year jail sentence for anyone caught filing a, quote, false police report claiming assault in order to obtain an abortion. And we all know how cops love to believe survivors of sexual assault. And in shitty whistleblower news, a Kentucky nurse who thought she'd help the anti-abortion movement by volunteering at a fake clinic reveals that they were using expired disinfectant on probes to perform transvaginal ultrasounds. Yeah, you heard that right. Because what do you do to a pregnant person that you've lied to and manipulated? Give them HPV. Well, that's shit for me. Back to you guys. Wow. Hey, Molly, uh, before you go quickly, this is the story of the week that just got us all like so cringy. I mean, how is it that you are a nurse and then you go to an anti-abortion fake clinic and then you're doing transvaginal ultrasounds on people? It's wild. It's wild to me that she was shocked uh, because she has been trained in science and she went to go volunteer at a like science denying religiously run organization that doesn't even believe in evolution. So, of course, they wouldn't have a problem just dipping the probes in like Clorox bleach. And just, yeah. Oh, God. Also, like it was terrifying when I read it. I was like, I'm sorry, 90 percent of all cervical cancer is caused by HPV. So they're uh, saving the unborn and giving everybody cervical cancer. It's yeah, ironic. They, they're the ones that usually tell people that abortion causes cancer when it uh, looks like now they're the ones <laughs> potentially causing Fake cancer. Fake clinics cause uh, cancer. Yeah. Yep, that's the tweet. Uh, that is. that. I think that's a good place to go. And just uh, also just be wary if somebody doesn't use the word sterilize when talking about a transvaginal probe and uses the phrase disinfectant. And when it's expired disinfectant, Oh, holy shit. Molly, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Oh, shit. Well, that is uh, some crazy shit. That is disgusting news. It is disgusting news. And it's wild. So we're going to do something different this week where instead of doing three big stories that we're breaking down, we kind of are following this trend where with the escalation of attacks on abortion providers, including stalking, invasion of facilities, assault, and battery, since 2021, it has increased 128%. Now, there have been a series of arrests, and the thing that's a mess is we were sort of excited that these people were being arrested, but now as they've come to trial, either the charges have been dropped before trial, some are awaiting trial, and this week, a man was acquitted on two counts of violating federal charges known as the FACE Act, which is an act from the 90s, which explicitly covers, makes it a federal offense to block the entrances of reproductive health clinics and churches, because you couldn't just have it be a clinic. No, of course not. No, Of course yeah. not, right? Because blocking churches is a thing. Yeah, because people are just laying down saying, don't go to church. So that's the only way they could get it through. So it's a federal crime, comes with an a, a 11-year prison term and a $100,000 fine. And this dude, Mark Houck, a men's rights activist and chastity educator for teens, not to mention an anti-abortion powder keg was caught on tape twice punching a 72 year old clinic escort to the ground now Hauk was found not guilty why 
because the altercation happened not exactly in front of the clinic, but away from the clinic as he was trying to move this screaming anti-abortion banshee sort of down the sidewalk and away from the clinic. It's maddening. It's really terrifying. It really, really is. Also, like you see the tape and it's like, oh, 40 year olds just beat up on 70 year olds. Like, what is your religion teaching you? That especially like the sheer violence that he immediately responded with to this person. Like, I don't I clinic escort Liz's clinic escort like Moji. We all have. And like, we don't like it. But the fact that that's your go to move, that's terrifying. Well, and let me give you just a little background on this asshole. Right. So he says he's justified. Because this escort was saying bad things in front of his kids, who he hauls to the clinic every Wednesday. And this dude Mm. has been going to this clinic for 20 years. So you're saying he doesn't have a life. So I'm saying he doesn't have a life. And I'm saying that it feels very messy. And like, I was like, who is this dude? And what kind of rhetoric does he bring? Right? Because we always hear these stories. And so I want to play a little clip of him Two years ago in 2020, outside of this Planned Parenthood in Philadelphia, and listen to how he talks about abortion, and we'll have a little conversation about it after. Hello, Mark Houck, the Kingsman, proud member of the Pro-Life Union of Greater Southeastern Pennsylvania. Friends, it is not enough to say we are pro-life and that we vote such. So important. We must indeed daily intercede for the preborn child, and yes, come to these places of death, the gates of hell, as we've been calling them, which cause us great sadness, but which can bring us so much joy in the choice of life. I was here with John Stanton, the great pioneer of the pro-life union of southeastern Pennsylvania. I watched him get thrown into these bars of, of this gate here. He brought the scars to the Lord, amen, both physically and spiritually. First of all, when you say things like gates of hell and all this other stuff, you know, he's yelling that all day, every day for 20 years. So the fact that an escort didn't punch him, that's not the story, is utterly shocking. We're not talking about the gates of hell, though. We're just talking about a street in Pennsylvania. Yeah, 12th and Locust. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a West Elm there. There's, I was going to say, like, <laughs> <laughs> not even above what, 70 degrees in the summer? <laughs> yeah. Calm down, buddy. But, you know, this is the whole thing. When you hear that, you know, it's like, oh, poor pro life man. And when he was talking about this John Stanton guy who was like, you know, his hero and that he was there, John Stanton would use terms like faggot and racial slurs towards patient staff and partners, even. Uh, Pennsylvania representative Brian Sims, who is a, was a queer representative, he disgraced graphic posters, medically inaccurate, um, often racist signs outside the clinic for years. And this is this guy's mentor. So I just want you to know that like, like he was got off and all of the media that reported on this story was right wing media praising him. Not one person said, maybe don't punch people. Maybe don't harm people. That's what's the part that really got me when I was doing my research about this. I was like, every single article about this is written by the Federalists, by the Washington Examiner. Like all of these places that are not reputable news sites are basically telling biased news about this. And any of the people that I would trust to talk about this, it's like it's like it's 20, uh, 2019 again, where they didn't even say the word crap is happening around abortions or in front of abortion clinics. It's like after Dobbs, we had a brief hiccup of people actually covering this 
And yeah. apparently seven months later, it's back to old news the way it was before. And just like, not to just be Captain Obvious, but this is the crew that is like 24-7 patting itself on the back for defending life and twice punched a dude to the sidewalk. And all they're excited about was that the guy that punched him got off on a technicality of whether or not he violated this other federal charge without having any regard for the fact that, like, why did he punch an old man? I mean, I think we also know that when these right-wing activists talk about people who are pro-choice or pro-abortion or pro-bodily autonomy, they don't think of us as humans. No, they don't. And and this and, and the reason that we want to kind of break this down is that this was just happened this week. And this isn't the only case where charges were dropped, right, Marie? Yes. In other Christian supremacy news, abusive clergy are still being empowered as another DOJ case against clinic invaders got dropped. We are specifically examining this ongoing terror that a certain Father Fidelis Moskinski, most recently in New England, has enacted. Just to give a little background, Fidelis is part of the Red Rose Invader Group that marches with churches, trespasses at clinics, storms exam rooms, and sometimes padlocks gates and fills them with glue. You know, just what would Jesus do things? Now, Fidelis was facing prosecution in both New Jersey and New York State for terrorizing three different abortion providers. And we got some updates on that. Jesus, it's bad. So Jersey, they dropped. Yep. Because, and this part is so fucking wild. The attorney for this guy and the other people that were with him said that the women in the abortion clinic had, quote, never been given information on the grave psychological consequences of abortion. Therefore, the invasion was not an invasion and they had a right to go in there and do it because they were saving them because the clinic lied to them. Can we just talk about what are the great that? psychological consequences of abortion? I was unclear of these. Can, mm. I'd love some being happy with yourself, healing, being happy with yourself, relief on relief. <laughs> I mean, it is. And, you know, it's like I hope that gets challenged, because if you're going to say that, then does that mean that every time you order a drink at a bar, they have to lay out the psychological consequences of you ingesting alcohol? Or the psychological consequences of marriage or the psychological consequences of getting bad bangs? Like, at what point do you have to, you know, I, I don't even, I, how does a, ju a jury say, oh, right, they didn't tell them things that aren't true? Right. That's that's the thing. It's like, how do you drop a legal case because someone didn't say something that isn't true? Mm -hmm. Right. Or how, Or you can't just psychological consequences is a variable. You know what I mean? Like there's people who can't go on roller coasters because they're freaked out by them. You know, somebody doesn't know every trigger of somebody who has agoraphobia. You know, it's like all of it is so insane that this can't stand. You know what I would have grave psychological consequences for? Someone being in the clinic when I went to have a medical procedure yeah. in, a, in a father's suit acting crazy. I like a father suit. A father suit. That's what I'm father calling it. Like a father father suit. Suit. It's a father yeah, suit. It's a father suit. And she's not, it's not like a madman thing. It's, no, a, no, no. it's, it's, a, it's a friar's suit. monk robe kind of situation. I call yeah. it a father suit. I mean, That's father suit will take. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's true. But, but Marie, I guess if, if there wasn't good news around the other charges on this dude, I would be in a whole panic. And there are some good news. Yes, thankfully. So, 
over in the state of New York, I don't want to say clear heads prevail here, but apparently they do. Fidelis in November of 2021 went and entered a clinic in upstate New York, Westchester, got sentenced to three months for that. And right now we are waiting to hear on the sentencing that is going to come out of a July 2022 trespassing terrorization that he carried out also in New York State up in Hempstead. That was a situation where he placed locks and chains on the gated entrance, covered them with glue. Fire department cops had to come. He laid down. This guy did the whole nine yards. We're waiting to hear he could possibly get up to a year in jail for that. Also, let me go somewhere and put locks and glue on and see if I'd get lucky to get a year somewhere. That's right. Wild. Like the, the sheer racism of that. Like this is a white dude. He's 53 now at this point. Moji and I have physically met this person. He's over six feet tall. He is scary as hell. He terrorizes outside. It's the, the father suit. It's the father it's the suit. Father suit. And I, yeah, right. Can you imagine Moji? If no. TSA, if TSA found you with some locks, and no, some and some glue. Can you? <laughs> No, he's just volatile. And even in the courtroom, he was like screaming, the blood of Jesus is on your hands and all this other shit. But, you know, it's like these are just we've we just want to sort of raise alarm bells, because as a lot of these cases happened in 2020 and 2021, these arrests and stuff and these charges, they're all they're coming to fruition now. And as we watch this egregious behavior of this Mark Hauk go and we watch Father Fidel's have kind of a split situation. We know that we've got a bunch more arrests coming to court. And Moji, like there are 21 indictments actually, but connected to two different events that happened in both 2020 and 2022. And part of the reason that they're so emboldened is that previous administrations were just not in any way evoking the FACE Act. So like the whole Trump administration, people were just doing crazy crap and rocking and like there was no federal oversight, no federal looking into it. And so people didn't notice that these are not individual protesters from different states, that these are people who travel from state to state with this bullshit. Right. They're grifting federal monsters. They're grifting federal monsters and they literally just travel with their, their what is it, a freak show? What is that? That's a terrible thing to say. Uh, carpet baggers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, carpet baggers, that much better to say? I, don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I feel like I'm carpet baggers is better to say. I'm, I'm unclear of the current slurs in this, <laughs> in this but, environment. Okay, but, and I think it was a little bit because of the January 6th overlap. And of course, Dobbs, finally, the Department of Justice is like, what the fuck? Oh, shit. So they looked at some previous charges. Um, and there are two cases in particular I'm talking about. One was in October 2020 at the D.C. Surges Center. There were... I believe, 11 defendants there who basically went into the clinic. They had pictures of the doctor with a wanted sign. And this was the one I think everyone will remember. We talked about this where the POW, Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, they stole these fetal remains and then they did all these fetus unboxings. I don't know. 115 fetuses and then did (laughs) YouTube videos like the worst Hobby Lobby things you've ever fucking seen. Ever. So- (laughs) So there's a FACE Act indictment for these people. And again, I have no idea when the trials are coming, when the next steps are, but these are things that are in play and in motion. And then also in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and this was just last March, so we're not even at the one-year anniversary of this, a bunch of invaders kind of created a blockade at the Carafem. And this they had an older an older anti in a, in, a, in a wheelchair that they just blocked in front of the door. And then they filmed the thing because this is the other crazy thing that they do. They've been so emboldened. They've had so little oversight that they just film it and stream it on Facebook. And in Tennessee, it took the police 
four hours to remove these protesters. So you know what will cause grave psychological harm? Going in for an appointment and having to wait four hours because random people have attached themselves to the lobby or whatever and, and are getting in the way of you getting the services that you were prepared to have. It took four hours. And part of why it took four hours, too, is one of the antis used to be a policeman. And so the police were just oh. chilling. They were like, oh, this is our buddy. We have an excellent relationship. No reason to. And this is why we need federal intervention. So I just want to say that these are cases we're watching. Yeah. These are cases we're watching. And 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 also understand that this took two years and then about a year for some of these to, to actually get on the docket and stuff. And meanwhile, some people spray paint fake clinics who, by the way, the fake clinics like we were just talking about in the earlier segment with Molly that are disinfecting transvaginal. Spreading HPV for fun. They all of a sudden are now declared health clinics and fall under the umbrella of of, uh, federal violations if you harm them. Those charges came up like lickety split. Like that in no time. So the disparity of justice coming to clinics who are harmed so much versus fake clinics who do nothing and people spray paint them is is really maddening. It's really maddening. It is. So we'll be following as these come up and we're going to be having some guests on the show who can really deep dive into this. But we just wanted to give you a lay of the land because our media hasn't covered these things at all. And it's really a big deal. And the only information that we got was, thank God, we are on the ground filming half of this shit. And two, we had to read terrible press and then go researching to hear about the people that they are, you know, reinventing their humanity. You know, if you just watch Fox News and Catholic News and Washington Examiner, you'd think that the grievances that's happening to these people on the reg would just be there. But it's not. So we'll be following how all these stories unfold. So stay with us, listen and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And as a reminder, as always, everything's going to be in the show notes and the best place for you to get the most up-to-the-minute resources on accessing abortion care and funding your abortion care, go to INeedAnA.com. But now, it's time to transition to our guest. More importantly, the guest who is going to give Marie her performance review right here on the podcast. That's right. Joining us today is Executive Director of Midwest Access Coalition, abolitionist, and Marie's boss, Diana Parker Kafka. Diana, hi, thank you for joining hey, us. Diana. <laughs> hi, Marie. Hey. So glad you're here. So we're so excited to talk to you. Could you, just to start, give our listeners a very quick download of the support that Midwest Access Coalition provides? Yeah, so we are, as the name implies, based in the Midwest, and we provide practical support for people who are traveling to or from the Midwest for abortion care at any gestation for any age whatsoever. Um, that includes booking hotels for accommodations, um, having volunteer drivers or getting them Uber and Lyfts to and from the airport or, or clinic, um, child care costs, food, uh, toiletries, whatever they need, whatever is a barrier between them getting to their provider, we, we try to work with them to remove it for them. Um, yeah. And so that's what our coordinators do every day, pretty much a seven days a week service. And I'm really proud of the work we've been doing. I just wanted to make it really clear. I mean, obviously, Marie talks about practical support on this pod every week, but you don't pay for abortion care itself, just all the other ancillary costs of getting to your your care. Right, right. Because often the, the costs of getting to your care more than the abortion itself, uh, especially now. 
Um, so when a clinic knows that a client, a patient isn't able to pay for their procedure, they're likely unable to pay for their travel as well. And so that's where we come in. And now, so now specifically, we're seven months past the Dobbs decision, the third trimester of, of Dobbs, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, I know how it is working for Mac, what I've seen, things that have been different, but you have a big picture perspective as our director. What have you seen that's changed within our work since Dobbs and what's stayed exactly the same? Um, well, what's exactly the same is that abortion is essential health care, so much so that people are still traveling for it every day, but traveling hundreds of miles more for it. So banning abortion in Missouri doesn't mean Missourians won't need or access abortion care. My colleagues and the people who came before us built a whole separate healthcare system because of this fact. When people don't have access to abortion, they lose the ability to, they can lose the ability to care for their children because the vast majority of our clients are mothers. They can lose their jobs. They could be further stuck in coercive or violent relationships or have their health significantly jeopardized. What changed right after the decision is that we saw our caller volume quadruple. But not only that, we were starting to see people who had ectopic pregnancies, who couldn't get care from doctors in their own states. The anti-choice laws are written very vaguely in order to create this confusion and fear that stops providers from doing anything for the health of their patients. People heard about the young people in Ohio who had to go to another state for abortion care. And I've been telling people that those cases were not only real, they weren't aberrations. So when antis try to shift the attention to, well, where were the parents? And don't get me started on how far this country is gone to keep resources from families in need. Mm -hmm. But they're also attempting to absolve themselves of any horrific, any of the horrific consequences of making abortion care illegal or inaccessible. It's a horrific thing to force a 12-year-old to, quote, make the best of it and force them to give birth when they don't want to. And it's horrific to do to anyone. And Diana, something I love so much about Midwest Access Coalition is that y'all are one of the most destigmatizing organizations around abortion and talking about it. And we often take the lead of how you do, because being in the Midwest, you had a big year, right? You serviced over 1,600 patients. And especially with Dobbs and, and clinics closing, we're looking at people having abortions in second and third trimesters and having to get people, especially out of the Midwest, where there are no third trimester providers. I don't consider Colorado the Midwest as anyone. It's kind of the West. No, it's not. Uh, right. Yeah. Sometimes they kind of kind of swim, swim in there. We're the no mountain festival over here. But um, <laughs> talk about, you know, talk about the challenges of helping people because a lot of times people just can't get the resources they need to access and Till then, talk a little bit about providing that care for folks and why it's so important. Because it's the most, they try to demonize it constantly. And, you know, we hear just like abortion all day, every day, no matter when you need it, it's your abortion, have it. Yeah, yeah. And that's our attitude too. We don't ask a lot of questions. We don't even ask them like what trimester they're in. It's like you have an appointment. Your doctor said it's going to take these this amount of days. Okay, so we know just how many nights of hotel you're going to need. Um, based on where you're at, we know what the the travel route is going to be. And so we sort of have a like, 
you know, meet the client where they're at sort of vibe. And they usually come to us already like just dead set on what they need to do. And it's just like, okay, we're going to just do the logistics. And if they need emotional support, we also provide that as well. But from the vast majority of our clients, they know they want the abortion. They're fine getting the abortion. Uh, They just can't afford it. And so (laughs) we just say, okay, we'll just take care of it for you. This is absolutely unnecessary for you to stress out over. Um, This is a very safe procedure, safer than pregnancy um, and birth. So let's do it. And I love it. I mean, we know that by the time people seek out care, they know what they want to do. That's not, that's Mm -hmm. why waiting periods are such bullshit because no one, when, by the time you've called a doctor, you know exactly what you need. And then the waiting period assumes that you hadn't figured that out before you picked up the phone and made phone calls. Well, and also too, the, the, like we've learned, or I've learned, and I think you too, Moji, all of us have learned so much from Marie and doing this particular work. And it's really great to be an advocacy organization around what y'all do, because explaining to folks who are well-meaning, who would like, come and stay on my couch, where do I help do that? You know, mm. you have the language, you have the tools, you have all of the knowledge to help people navigate the abortion that they get to have with the privacy they deserve and without with all the support they deserve. And I just think that's so awesome. Yeah. And we do have patients who get to the provider and talk to the provider and actually change their minds. And those are our clients and we take care of them. There is no like once they decide that they have, they need an appointment. And once they get to the clinic, like there's no going back. No doctors, abortion funds are super supportive of any choice you make. And, you know, if don't feel guilty about using whatever money that we use to get you there, this is part of the process and this is what you deserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. MAC is a reproductive justice organization, which fundamentally those are the tenets of reproductive justice, right? You can decide what you need. And of course, there's no point of no return. And of course, we understand that health equity can only be achieved by dismantling these existing systems of oppression. And of course, that obstructs reproductive choice. It obstructs so many other choices that people can make. Um, Prior to coming to MAC as a client coordinator, wow, 2016, what what days? (laughs) Baby (laughs) Diana, baby Diana. billion years ago. Yeah, me and Marie started, that's when I met Marie and we just like started this program, the two of us. We literally cooked mac and cheese for MAC, because MAC, that was our fundraiser. Diana and I like were next to each other with pans of mac and cheese working the hotline together. (laughs) Yeah. Before that, we've heard, you know, we know that you were working with organizations to abolish police and abolish prisons. Um, And I would love for you to talk about the ways that your work in both prison abolition and police abolition intersects with your work in reproductive justice and abortion access, particularly. I went to school to become an OB-GYN and just realized the medical establishment was not for me. But I've always had this drive to support people who are parenting especially those in, I grew up in Rogers Park. It's, you know, very diverse. It's very black and brown. So I'm just like, especially people in my community who have such a hard time finding resources for basic needs. And so I saw that a lot of the solutions happen on the ground, locally with your communities. You can You can do a lot with just showing up at a police station, providing jail support for people. And I know that 
during my time on the board of the Chicago Community Bond Fund that a lot of people in prison are parents, are mothers. And what they have to, being torn away from their families is really horrific and has life-altering, lifelong consequences. And if we, if our society doesn't decide to put our resources, and we are a very wealthy country, put our resources towards the folks in these communities that have been stripped of resources for decades and decades. If we don't start giving back to them, giving back to us reparations um, and continue to build cop cities and cop academies and just default give them a bigger budget every year, there's just no way this country is going to survive that. And so I got my start with a street medic group in Chicago that provided medical support for people who were protesting for change and continue to protest for change because we're finding still in democratic controlled states and cities, it's not enough. It's not enough. And so, yeah, I'm all about the people power, being on the streets, yelling in speakerphones, locking things down. That's, That's where I come from. And it's all connected. It's all connected. And I'm glad you said democratic controlled cities. I live in Minneapolis with a garbage mayor who is, you know, sweeping the unhoused uh, in the middle of winter, who is doing no knock warrants. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a mess, right? And and mm-hmm. and then playing his body over the coffin of George Floyd at the funeral, like just like egregious shit that you're like, dude, no. And what happens, honestly, is cities that have these liberal pockets. When they go to the voting booth, they are racist as fuck. These liberals who go in there, and they're like, I really do want to be protected. I don't want to actually do the work to to abolish this broken system and uplift it and 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 come up with a new way to, you know, to community safety. They just don't, it's like, it's hard, people. Everything good is hard. So let's start from that point. And then if we all do yeah. it, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah. I feel in my bones that, the majority of this country can be aligned on values. It's just that they, the antis, the right wing, have been very systematic in stopping us from gaining power and uniting and changing and changing things. So I think we're at a really crucial point in our country is like, what are we all going to choose? We're on the brink of some change some fundamental change because our parties are just so, I don't know, disengaged from what people on the ground are seeing and wanting that we just, yeah, we just have to keep showing up and keep being louder and louder and louder and help Mm -hmm. each other. Don't veto um, a halfway house in your community and Mm -hmm. say that you're pro equality and equity. Um, Yeah. I, we were, I was in Minnesota the other week for, Secretary Becerra's visit from the Health and Human Services Department. And our Minnesota coordinator, Emily, spoke at the roundtable, and she did call out the houselessness and the resources that Minneapolis keeps from people who need those resources. And there's no reason not to open them up and share those resources. It's just like getting over the liberal hump of doing something even if it's going to affect your life. But yeah, you got to. 
I mean, mm-hmm. in New York, I feel like we're building houses at a furious pace. They're just unaffordable for yeah. most people. And it's like, wait, why do we all have to live under construction, but there's no housing for people who yeah. need housing? Mm-hmm. Like, why do we have to live under constructions and also they're unhoused people across the street from this construction? It makes no yeah. sense. Well, and everybody on this call, all of our activism, and I think, I think it's, if we could get more people to understand that in the work that you focus on, when you are in, you're directly involved in the lives of people and you get to know them and it's what gets you up every day and getting into the spaces of working in community and helping mm-hmm. any way you can platform folks so that they can, you know, take, take control of their own lives. That's that's why we get to do this every day. It's It's why I often say sometimes that like, this work is self-care. People are like, how do you rest? I was like, I find it very rewarding to just talk to people that I can in some way uplift their story and uplift their lives. And once you can make those connections, I think getting people there, that's that's the work. That's part of the work. I will say when Dobbs, the Dobbs ruling came down, I was so happy to be working in this space and feeling like I that, that I'm somehow you know, more effective than just sort of sitting on the lines and screaming into the void. But not everybody has the luxury we have to work in the abortion space. And Diana, do you have any ideas or suggestions about ways for people who maybe don't have like a lot of money to throw at it, could get involved in either MAC or other broader pro-abortion support outside of offering their couch to strangers? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell everyone to be the annoying person who talks about abortion access all the time. I've done it and my friends still like me. So, you know, try it. (laughs) Changing (laughs) minds and mobilizing those minds into action to hold their local governments accountable for the wants of their community members um, is going to be the way to change this country. The anti-choice movement uses the abortion, uses the word abortion way more than we do. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can help reclaim, liberate abortion by simply talking about it with your friends, with your family. As far as volunteer efforts go, um, I know organizations are more in need of like back end admin support, like marketing or data entry. So if people have those types of skills, it's less glamorous, but it's incredibly helpful when you can relieve that burden from very tiny or organizations, often they are themselves volunteers as we were for a while. Email your local abortion fund and ask if they need support in the area you're skilled in. Don't just email and say, I want to help. Just like be very specific about what you can do so that when it comes to, I don't know, if I have a need for creating some Canva document for a last minute event, I know, oh, this person emailed me and said they were really good at marketing and doing events. And so I have someone to specifically to think of to go to. If we don't reply, don't take it personally. I currently have 400 plus unread emails when pre-Dobbs, I was patting myself in the back for getting it under 20. And now it's just, no, goodbye. That's a different life. Inbox zero is a myth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, I will also say if you are loving everything that Diana is saying about Midwest Access Coalition and you do want to do something, you can also email programs at aafront.org and tell us what's happening and we can help onboard folks so that their capacities can 
be, you know, if, if Diane's got 400 emails, maybe then we can like get to Marie and say, Marie, this person, what do you think? You know, we can sort of ease you in in ways that the org may not have capacity to do. So always use us as a resource too to get to the people you want. Yeah. People probably don't know the history of abortion funds in this country, but like I said before, they created a whole healthcare system for abortion care Mm -hmm. and with volunteer labor. So when DOPS hit, you know, the average staff size of the, or of the funds was probably just a few people. And now they're being faced with tens of thousands of people who need more support. And it's going to take time to, to adjust to that. But yeah, be, be patient with your local abortion fund, please. Diana, thank you so much for joining us. I wish we had more time. I yes. always wish we had more time. We didn't even time. get to Marie's review yet. I oh know. my God. Do you want to <laughs> just quickly barf that out, Diana? I mean, Quick. That, that should be a 420 activity. Punctual. First off. Punctual. <laughs> works well with others. <laughs> Has cats, chats. Has cats, chats, <laughs> likes abortion. A requirement for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow the work of Midwest Access Coalition on Instagram at Midwest Access Coalition and on Twitter at Midwest Access. And remember how we were talking about the lack of third trimester care? There's a fundraiser for an emerging all-trimester clinic in New Mexico. That will be the first employee-owned clinic and Black, Indigenous, people of the global majority run. Check out the GoFundMe link in our show notes. That's incredible. Well, we're going to transition to the Potosphere's favorite weekly game show, Six Degrees of Abortion. It's simple. It's a game where Marie and Moji choose a news story from the week, and then I have six chances to try to tie it to abortion. All right, what do you got? This was a really tough week this week because there were two things that I really want to talk about. But Marie and I decided that this was the best. So about a week ago, Eddie Murphy was on Jimmy Kimmel and he was asked um, who was the most naturally funny person he ever met. And Eddie Murphy said Red Fox, who is an extraordinary comic and who has passed. And we would like you to maybe link Red Fox to abortion. Really? You don't think you can do it? I mean, come on, he's working with everybody. No, I mean, I can say Red Fox was a stand-up comedian, and I'm a stand-up. Oh comedian. come on, we need we need we need a little more. We need a up. little more steps in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. let's see. Red Fox tie Red Fox to abortion. Well, I mean, Red Fox worked at the same room when he did his long-running show that Roseanne Barr did her long running show. And one of my very first gigs opening for a national headliner was Roseanne Barr in Minneapolis. So Red Fox to Roseanne, Roseanne to me. There we go. That's the work we want to see, Liz. Okay. That's the, yeah. No, that's I know. Say, I was like, wait, that's too easy. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you <laughs> yeah, doing to me? That's too easy. Yep. So we, I would... I would like to note this is by no means an endorsement of Roseanne Barr. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) Let me just say right off the bat, um, let's be real clear. I opened for her in the 80s and I don't know what happened to Roseanne, but like I do not endorse uh, anything that Roseanne Barr has said in the past 20 years Mm -hmm. and have removed myself from all Roseanne Barr situations. (laughs) Except for this one instance right now. Except for this one instance where I had to pull it out of my ass so that I could be a winner. So that I could be a winner. 
<laughs> oh. oh my God. Well, thank you. Yes, we we will take that. Liz's win was brought to you by one of our newest fake sponsors, Mochi. More than ever, men are suffering from dysplasia. Dysplasia is caused by wanton, whorish carelessness with your people pudding. Semen is being discarded and fetuses aborted willy-nilly by woke hipster broads. Well, dysplasia is about to become a thing of the past thanks to the Apple Airbag Tag, the device that tracks your sperm from ejaculation to procreation because that's where it should end up every time. Not unlike the chip you implant in your rescue pup, the bag tag is implanted into your batter sack and our patented nanotechnology tracks your potential progeny from blast off to baby. So when one of your Olympians reaches that ovary, you'll get an alert the moment it's implanted. Thanks to the airbag tag's GPS technology, godly positioning system, you can map your lady vessel's every move. If she's tracked at an abortion clinic or a pharmacy, a ping is sent to you with plenty of time for you to intervene and rescue your offspring from this wicked baby mule who selfishly thought her body was hers. Buy your airbag tag now and you'll get the dingling ring for extra protection free. Just place the camera next to their doorbell and enjoy 24-7 surveillance of your female's bathing suit area. Doubles as an easy reference to locate the clitoris so you can avoid it. The airbag tag, putting an end to dysplasia one spurt at a time. <laughs> that is so good. I mean, dysplasia. Yeah. It's a real concern. It's a real concern. We need concern. to do a benefit, Marie. Maybe we want to like. We should. Right? I mean, fuck that clinic that's doing third trimester abortions. Yeah. Dysplasia. Maybe we can get a, in the eyes of the angels singing from Sarah McLaughlin, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> As it's just squirting into somebody's face. Yeah. In the eyes. Pools. Yeah. That's a mess. That is a fucking mess. I'm imagining the ice bucket challenge, ejaculate, like all these things. This is, oh my gosh, not the ice bucket challenge. Got to keep that sperm at viable temperature. I don't even know what's happening here, but we've gone off the rails. And, um, but the good news is I think that our comic does not shy away. From talking about the ejaculate in all of its forms. So let's transition to our next guest. She sticks with the important topics. Joining us to talk about psychology and loving your mom is comedian and filmmaker Kenise Mobley. Hello, Kenise. Hey, Kenise. Hey. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, 2022 was a pretty bad year for a lot of people, but you wrapped it up with releasing an album. Yes. And it was called Follow-Up Questions. So what topics are you exploring in it? And did the event of the year make it into the final product? Okay, so my album is silly. It is raunchy, without a doubt. And people have called it a mix of like high and low brow, I guess. Um, when you say the big event, what are you referring to? So this is an abortion podcast. Okay. <laughs> so the big event was the fall of Roe v. Wade. Got it. Okay. Uh, I say that because I had a stroke in July and I had to recover from that. And so for me personally, that was the biggest event of my year. But yes, I see how that would be referred to as the big event. My apologies. Okay. I, I also see how you would uh, maybe have thought a stroke was a big event too. I also That's feel good. like we should talk about the fact that you're how old? 17? And had a stroke in July. Uh, I could 
I am 17 times two plus some. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. I know it's so interesting because I know you were at a conference that I truly love when yes. this happened. Um, Cause I used to be on the board of the organization and I used to go. And so what, do you want to talk about it? Sure. I can talk about it. What happened? And also, that's awesome that you're on the board of that event. It's a really cool event where they get uh, people who work in nonprofit, people who work in the arts, people who work in uh, non-governmental agencies. And we just sit around and we think about ways to make the world a better place. And so that's really, really cool. It's called creative change. Yeah. Yes. Um, We had just like I had gone horseback riding up the mountains and they had done this thing where they released these birds. And I was on the phone talking to my mom like, well, the bird thing was a little bit much. But uh, then I had a stroke while I was on the phone with my mom walking through. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's lucky that I I thought I was completely alone, but thankfully someone was walking up behind me and saw that I just dropped my phone. So all my mom heard was someone picking up the phone and being like, hello, hello. Does your, do you know, Kenise? Does she have Bell's palsy? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And then she's like, oh, I I think I have to call the hospital right now. (laughs) And then Oh, and that's God. wild. Because in your comedy, you talk about your mom being your best friend and for her to be there for <laughs> that big event is wild. Yeah. You couldn't have timed that any better. It's, it's kind of worrying because if it had been like a few minutes later, because I told my mom I'd talk to her as I walked to my room, I would have gone in my room, locked the door, and then known just no one would have found me for a long time. So it was very convenient. If it was after the bird thing, it's when it gets dark. And you all need to know that they put you in these cabins where you're you're navigating uh, with a, it's not it's really dark and you're yes. navigating up to your own cabin and the cabins are very much far apart from another cabin. It's yes. really cool, but like you know you don't expect to be having a stroke, right? So tell me what happened and what your recovery was like. Uh, so they still don't know what happened. I have doctor's appointments all the time because they are truly like. We don't know why your body did that, and we hope it doesn't do it again. Good fingers crossed. Um, and <laughs> like, so for me, my biggest uh, symptom post is that I don't have feeling on the right side of my body. So, like, if someone tries to get my attention, they have to like push me essentially for me to notice that they're like tapping me to get my attention. Otherwise, I just don't feel it if they like just are gently patting my skin because I don't have feeling on their right. Wow, that is really wild. So, I guess. It's cool that you were able to be in the process of your comedy album. I had just recorded it. Yeah. And I just love the fact that comics will bring their lives, whatever happens, (laughs) to this. So was there even any lessons learned? Or it was just like, holy shit, now it's the new me and here I am. Uh, It certainly feels like your time is limited. Use it in a way that is meaningful to you don't like the robotic um wheel that i think that i was on to some extent before where it's like just do work to do work or like do get booked to get booked in other places it's now very much so like what do you want to be doing how can you do that you don't know how much time you have something can happen and change your entire life so maybe focus on like 
I'm forming relationships and uh, this is the dorkiest thing. Well, whatever. It's, I'm going to say a lot of dorky things, but this is a movie I liked a lot when I was growing up. It's called The Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I always was like... Attractive older people being older and very attractive. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be like Renee Russo. Not in the, fa- the way that I have millions of dollars, but in the way that I'm like in charge and I dress awesome. And so I'm like reached out to my friends. I think I'm more intentional about like cementing those relationships. I also have like gone shopping and just done some things to say, you know what? That's not too far off. Be that person by the time you're 40. I also love that you're talking about the remake of the Thomas. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm just going to point out old, old woman. I was going to say she's talking the Dennis Leary Thomas Crown affair. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking of the one Kenise was talking up. So, okay, Kenise, the Pierce Brosnan, the Pierce Brosnan, yeah, and Renee Russo, adult yes. people looking very attractive. They I think she was like amazing. she was like fifty when they filmed it, I think. And I was like, is that what I have to look forward to? You know what? Yes, it you is. can. Oh yeah, no, I, I I'm almost there. Kenise, follow up question: <laughs> As you are someone who's always combining your comedy with social issues, climate, abortion, race, with all of the shit that's going on right now. What has you screaming into the void on a daily basis? It's just completely disingenuous, some of the moral outrage about anything that the Republican Party does that makes me get so mad. Because it's like, you're not mad about that. You're not. Stop stop lying to me. Stop lying to yourself. You're not mad about that because so many people within your own party have done these exact things. But anytime someone who's you perceive to be on the other side does something, you're like, this is an outrage. Da, 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 da. And it's like, are you hitting me like you're wasting my time you're wasting your time why are you doing this it's this petty point scoring backbiting stuff that's the thing that makes me like am i taking crazy pills what's going on like why would you do that mm-hmm. the answer is yes you are you are taking crazy pills then yes. okay <laughs> yeah they're totally saying i don't i don't understand anything you just said that just feels like you're just gaslighting us right now. Okay. They're, they have the moral high ground. Please reset. <laughs> reset. Uh, so your your background, you studied history and psychology. So you're bringing yes. that to the table. And I'm curious how in your writing, in your performing, in the film, because you produce, like you do lots, you do lots of amazing work. I'm wondering how those structures, not necessarily education-based, but like theoretical, like how does, how does that affect you in, in your work? Well, I think the psychology and the history both play into it a lot, actually, which is a surprise to me because I got those two degrees and then I was like, I'm not doing anything with them. Uh, But it is I'm just genuinely interested in how people behave the way that they do. Why have we all bought into certain patterns of thinking and also how that changes over time on the album? I do ask a question about um, come and what you should do with it. And just depending where it lands or just in yeah. general. Well, no, I asked. Or the year. Wait, is it 1985 <laughs> Thomas Crown? What year is it? <laughs> well, yes, exactly. So I was like, because I talk about like, okay, if a woman were to ask you to come into a jar, how would you react to that? And then I asked like, which is safer today? Coming inside a woman or coming inside a jar conveniently located on the bedside table. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. these Is the woman Jenny Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> Because I think that that will vary it True. forever, the answer. True. So just looking at how that idea has changed over time and how, for some reason, people state certain preferences, but the background completely contradicts that. So this stuff interests me, and I want to get to the core of why people are thinking the way that they're thinking. You know, in this day and age, your brain must never shut off. 
you know, having that expertise of psychology, assessing what's happening, the gaslighting from (laughs) the way that our country works, the way that people are just manipulating everything, even like you can't even be on Twitter because that Elon Musk is like, it's, oh my God, is it a, is it a hindrance or is it helpful? I think it's helpful, but also just acknowledging is your anger in this moment going to fix the problem or is it just like buying into this cycle? And it's like, okay, yes, this thing does make me mad. My first impulse is like, but they're wrong. How do they not know that they're wrong? But I have to take a step. Okay, what ways are actually actionable that will affect change? And what ways will I say there are some wrong people in the universe and that it seems to be how the universe works because there are always people who are thinking wrong. It's never been 100% right thinking. Uh, And I have to accept this. And you know what? I'm going to take this as an opportunity to look at my life and say, is there are there parts of my life where I might be buying into some antiquated thinking, some problems like that? And focusing on what I actually can change versus what I unfortunately cannot. That is really like intentional thinking. Yeah. It's attempting. I don't always, I'm not always successful. Sometimes I get mad and I'm going to bed and I'm pissed off at Twitter. And it's like, what, who's this serving? Why am I doing this? Yeah. I want to bring you back to mad and crazy for a minute. Can you tell us a little bit about what you think of this current house of representative? (laughs) Because that is a crazy place. Analyze that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I love the idea of a woman or a person of color failing 13 times and then being like, yeah, let's try it again. Let's do it again. Let's give it another shot because Mm -hmm. this guy's got to be the person and we're just going to keep making everyone go through this thing for this one person. That would never happen with a woman or a person of color. Before the first time, they'd be like, it doesn't look like we got the votes. So we're probably going to go with somebody else. Sorry. Goodbye. We tried diversity. Bye. Never again. Or we're going to go with the guy that's going to lose 15 times. The white guy. They threw a black guy in there once for like one second and they were like, okay, we did it. We did Mm -hmm. it. Diversity achieved. Let's go back to a couple more failed votes for this. uh." That makes me mad. Yeah. It's like, what? Really? (laughs) Also, the gaslighting of this um, document, there's a secret three page document that has all the deals that McCarthy made with all of these like orcs. Right. And he's like, there is no document. And it's like, but except for like eight people have said that they read it and like <laughs> I'm super unclear about like, and then one guy even said like, I, I read it. I don't know if everyone's gotten it yet. And then McCarthy's like, there's no document. It's like, <laughs> what, what, why is this always, how can you, people who can just say lies yes. <laughs> with yeah. just this confidence of like, but there's not a document. There's it's not like, a document. But I have it in my hands. Yes. Like you could literally, you could say, oh, there was, there were different things in progress, but there's nothing that we actually, you could say a, a variety of things to make that a better lie. But to, after people have said there is a thing to simply say, there's not a thing that's, that's bad lying. Be better at yeah. lying. I mean, yeah, be better at lying. <laughs> maybe, or maybe don't lie. Maybe yeah, don't lie. Or, or maybe don't lie. Uh, I don't give them that faith. I don't have that faith in them that they are not going to do it. So if they're going to do it, do it better. I don't know. I hope they fail. Uh, okay. Sorry. That's, <laughs> you know, I, Kenise, it's like so easy to, as comics, you know, the root of comedy is like fucked up terribleness, usually. You know, we kind of like do that. So I'm going to switch it up. And especially since it sounds like, since your stroke, you've really had a like 
a reset of where you find joy, where you're going to prioritize your energy. So like, let's give people some hope going out, right? Let's wrap this up with like, where does Kanice, why am I talking about you in the third person? Where do you, (laughs) where do you find your joy? Like when you're like in that space, like how do you reset and tap in and what brings you happiness? Even like crappy shows, self, self self-examination, anything. Okay. I have a list. I get into dorky shit so much and I love it. So recently I've decided I'm going to learn how to bake bread and really good bread. So I have been baking bread in my apartment over and over. And when I, when I feel like the bread is getting a little too old, I cut it up. I make bread pudding from scratch and it's delicious. And I love bread pudding. And so I eat a lot of bread and bread pudding, but I figured out how to get it nice and crusty. I figured out how to have the bread, have the structure that I want, like the cut across that I like. And so I just want it to be like this most recent time, it was a little too glutinous. So just getting that balance correct in my kneading and the process of making it. So I love that. Okay, wait, hold on a second. Yes. What kind of bread? Just regular, like white bread. I'm not no sourdough. Yeah, not. I'm not. I'm not doing that yet. I will do that, but first, I just want to get the very basic. I hate sourdough, so I'm so happy to hear. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just regular ass bread, but it is like okay. I'm I'm gonna do this in iterations, and every time I do it, it does get better because I do learn things about the timing, the amount of yeast, the amount of kneading, all that stuff. But eventually, I will, and it's by like the fall, I will be able to make a nice, hard crust, good structured loaf of bread. And I am learning how to do that. And it it gets my anger out to just knead it because I don't have a bread machine or a, a mixer. So it's just me and my hands just punching some dough. And that really does get the anger out. I'm going to be honest. So can you feel the dough in your ha- in both hands when you're doing it? Can you feel in your hand? Yeah. Yeah, you oh, feel cool. the, the structure. But then I also, I'll put it in this big metal bowl that I have and just punch the crap out of it. <laughs> just. Do you envision it being certain people? Mm-hmm. Um, more How like just general things in life that I don't like, like, like gaslighting, like not caring about other people, like only fighting for your rights, but not necessarily the rights of other people, that kind of stuff. Just like what strikes me as pretty selfish thinking. And I'm just punching that. I love it. All right. So that is it for a skilled person. What's a simple thing <laughs> someone can do? This is easy. It's just, it's, okay. But also, okay, other dorky things. I'm so happy that you asked. Okay. <laughs> so I have for a couple of years done vision boarding parties, but I realized I think I just like collaging. <laughs> It's like, we can do a vision board, sure. But I think I like the, I like, so I have stacks of old magazines and stuff like that and just going through those. And I have a little paper cutter thing and just being like, okay, say I'm, I also got all these frames from work because they were about to throw them out. So I have all these frames that I have to fill, but say one is like places. And so it's like, okay, I'm pulling out these things as a background. These things are in the foreground. How do I want to layer this image up in such a way that's interesting visually, but also does represent kind of what I want moving forward. And I love it so much. And maybe this is too much, but I'll take like a fourth of an edible because I'm a weak baby. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then I'll just Little scissors, little cutter, little this, little glue. Oh, that music, an audiobook, that's a nice night. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kadeese, I I have seen nothing wrong with this night. This night sounds okay. this it's all sounds perfect. fun. Yeah, down to the fourth of an edible, because I also can't take any more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you and Moji are would be perfect together. Yeah, just real chill. Just real chill. 
just to edge off, but I don't actually yes. want to be like crazy. Then I'll just yeah. be useless. Oh my God. Denise, this is the best list I think of, of good things that I've heard in a while. Definitely this year. So, Kenise, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kenise. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So fun. Kenise's album, Follow Up Question, is available on Bandcamp, Apple, and Spotify. To find her tour dates, go to kenisemobley.com. And to keep up with her daily doings, you can follow her at Kenise Mobley on all the socials. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. We are here for you as we navigate these dark days. We want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some really hard times ahead. We're in this together. We got you. Thank you so much to Diana for joining us. You can follow the work of Midwest Access Coalition at IG at Midwest Access Coalition. And all of their contact info is in the show notes. Subscribe. Write us a review. Give us five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you are helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up with all the latest Repro news, follow us on the socials at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. Looking for where you might fit in to do some abortion activism? Look no further than our five-part training series, Operation Save Abortion, available in video and podcast form. Gather friends, watch or listen together, and follow the activity guide for a full experience. Details on the series are at operationsaveabortion.com. And make sure you check out the activist calendar as well, which is chock full of local and national actions and educational opportunities. Looking for some action? Like be a part of the solution action? Here's your last chance reminder to sign up for one of Abortion AF and Center for Popular Democracy's upcoming trainings on bird dogging. Bird dogging involves holding your elected officials accountable, finding out their position on an issue, and or pressuring them to take action for a cause you care about, like abortion. There are two options to attend, one on the evening of Tuesday, February 7th, and one on the evening of Thursday, February 9th. Sign up at the link in our show notes. Next week, we'll be joined by Elise Salisbury, Director of Programs at Sister Reach, to discuss reproductive justice and faith-based advocacy. And autodidact rapper, comedian, and motivational speaker, Jean Grey, will be joining us. And lastly, join our Patreon. You'll support great content, get cool FBK merch, exclusive FBK merch, and experiences. All pledges support this pod and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. We leave you with Nick Fuentes, a man who's out here showing his whole ass by showing he's a Holocaust and homosexuality denier. We love Hitler, not in a fucking gay way, okay? We love Hitler in a Christian way, you freak, not in a gay way. Anyway, in like a, in like a awesome way, okay? In like a we love Trump way, you fucking liberal. Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is popping, we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.